Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast episode number 107. Happy New Year. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. I'm host number three, Corey. Happy New Year. Yeah, uh, Elias isn't here, so... Suprads. Son of a bitch, man. Elias. 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 You said it. Yeah. He's Elias. He's Elias. He's Elias. Like, just think of the song. Yeah. He's going to get pissed off. Sorry. But he's going to get pissed off more when I sprinkle in three ads in this episode. He can't skip. That's right. Cheerios, bitches. Oh, sorry. That <laughs> we're not sponsored by Cheerio. Um, what are you gonna say, Joe? Well, I, what do we guys think of this year? This year of podcasting, this year of covering Bitcoin, the, the year of following news. Will we say this was a like a a winner year or a loser year? How do we feel? I think, was, I think it's a pretty good year. You know, I switched my face wash, brought my acne level down, moved my nice. skin. Smoothed it out. Um, you know, went went on. Wait, should I do a commercial for Match dot com, or is this too personal for our audience? Only if you're if you've had success. What what counts as success? Getting them draws or yeah, what? for sure. <laughs> I would it's say so. Yes, it's definitely a, a some some aspect of success. Well, that means Match dot com is. That makes Match.com seem like a getting them draws website, but it's not really. Well, it wasn't your intention. It's just how it played out. Oh, that's not my intention is not to get them draws. But I do know that success is getting them draws. Doesn't that mean? Why don't you throw out your URL for all the ladies on Match.com since they know your That there. sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. I'm going to throw out my Snapchat. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> If you'd like a guy not to sleep with you is a goal, but knows that that's what he wants. <laughs> that's a good tagline. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, look. It's not my goal, but it is something that I want. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the year of the review for Bitcoin. Um, it was a great year, 124%, right? 124%. That's what they're saying is the... Uh, Increase in price. A price is a good thing. I know a lot of people are like, price is unimportant. Um, but it's only unimportant if you don't. It's only important if you're in Bitcoin and you know how awesome this technology is and you see the potential and you've done the reading and you've done the obsessing. 
I think that's but, dumb to say price is not important. Price is important. Yeah. Clearly. I agree it's with a, you. It just depends on what you're using it for. For some applications of Bitcoin, price isn't important. For a lot of other ones, it is. And without a, without all of those, a lot of other ones, you wouldn't be able to do the, a lot, like, a lot of the functionality doesn't require price. It's it's, it's, it's price is built in. There's a, there's an incentives model to the whole, to the whole thing. And if you don't have price, then there's no incentives. So it doesn't matter. It makes a big difference. Holy and shit! Did you have? That's 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 the whole point. Like, what do we like? That's that's why all of this works. We wouldn't have miners if they weren't mining for something they wanted. Like scarcity is a thing because people want it. Why do they want it? Because it has a price. Price matters. Absolutely. And it's up. That's right. Wasn't it a great moment, though, when the price did nothing after the halving happened? That was hot. A great moment? Huh? You say that was a great moment? or? Yeah, yeah. it proved the, the efficient market hypothesis. Everyone thought it was going to do this crazy thing and then nothing drastic happens and then the difficulty just kept increasing. I thought that was a great moment. I did too. It, it showed the resiliency of like kind of the, the whole, the whole ecosystem. It's not just people jumping shit because like we didn't have this crazy centralization or, you know, further centralization of mining because everyone got kicked off of the network because it was no longer profitable for them to mine. It's just, it's just kept moving. And, People kept building things, and it got easier to use. Like this year was big for me because it got really a lot easier to use in a lot of different ways. Yeah, you've been personally, I live off right? Bitcoin right now. I'm mean, essentially whatever doesn't get auto drafted for my account, I I use Bitcoin. My paycheck How's goes it's great, no problems. Use Coinbase and Shift. You're getting paid in Bitcoin right now? No, no, no. no. I just, I just buy it. I mean, I'll, I might switch it over at some point, but since my new job is, is like, since I staked my career on Bitcoin, I might as well, you know, walk the walk as well. Right. Yeah. So if a Mike Hearn Bitcoin story comes out, your faith is unwavered. You don't panic sell. You, you just keep the faith. I don't get me wrong. If something happens, I'll I'll hedge my bets. I'm not I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna be so prideful that I lose a shitload of money. But it won't I, be all the also, opinions of one man, though. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's gonna I, I I we we keep a pretty close eye on what the current events are of Bitcoin and what's happening and what could happen that would cause massive failure in the whole system. And if something like that happens, then I'll hedge my bets. If not, then I'll just continue doing what I'm doing because. You know, it's, 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 I think it's hard to, to really predict cryptocurrency markets and make money off of them. We've, we've tried, we've bet and done some trading. Uh, and we've had a modicum of success. Yeah. But it's, it's easier to this just, just yeah, hold your right. Bitcoin and use it. And now that I'm using it all the time, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think about it too much. I'm not just sitting here waiting for the price to move. It's I'm actively buying Bitcoin. I'm actively spending Bitcoin, and that's good for the whole ecosystem because mm-hmm. it's people using it, and people like it without a real use. It's just a it's just a avenue for speculation. 
you know, I think that I think everyone that we've been pitching Bitcoin to that is uninvolved in the space right now, every I think these people are going to be lucky because I do think Bitcoin is going to reach its potential to be a very, very, very heavy hitter world stage currency wise. In order to be a heavy hitter on the world stage currency wise, it's, it also implies having a very, very large value. It has to. So I did a, I did a, a simple, like a simple calculation. For, a like, as, an, as an example and napkin math as an example of like one way of evaluating bitcoin or like what the value of a satoshi would be if the world economy the world gdp was was the, the market cap of bitcoin that means essentially the world uses bitcoin for its for its for its money so it's like 110 trillion dollars rough estimate right uh a yeah. satoshi is 0.5 cents if that's how much the market cap of Bitcoin is worth. Around 0.5 Point cents. Five. That's what a Satoshi is, which means that a Bitcoin is around 5 million. Shit. So, we got room to grow. Yeah, there's definitely room. That's, that's one my favorite. evaluation. That's one way to evaluate Bitcoin. That's as the world economy. like It's being used as, as, as a money supply. There's other ways of doing it, like evaluating like gold or evaluating like a company. Yeah. And that's where you get different value. price predictions. Go ahead. My favorite value, not evaluation, but visualization shows the market cap of Bitcoin in comparison to all the market cap of all these other financial instruments. And Bitcoin is like, it says, it, the way it sets, is up, sets it up is it says that um, one, like, I think centimeter by centimeter block is. Oh, uh, I've seen is, that. Yeah, one of those blocks is like a hundred billion dollars or something like that. And then the little tiny block at the very top is Bitcoin. It's not even like fifteen billion, right? So it's just a little speck. But then as you scroll down the page and you see like. The derivatives market, foreign <laughs> real estate. The derivatives market is the is the worst. It's just that yeah. money based out of real money, like money that's derived from real from the real money supply. If you don't know, if the, if listeners don't understand what that is or how it works, go look up what derivatives are, and and mm-hmm. the vastness that they encompass of like of like how money is actually made. Like the the it's amount of real abstract. money in the world, like. Yeah, the amount of like actual physical money in the world, like in money supplies, is incredibly small compared to the amount of value we derive, like to to leverage that money or bet where it goes. That's essentially that's the kind of how I see it. Essentially, the money that we then bet on the real money supply is like ridiculously more than the actual money supply. And Bitcoin is still a minuscule. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes if you can find it. It's the Shella, have you seen it? No, nah, show me. It's in I the just Slack. It. Watch it's gonna blow your mind. You're gonna I think this visualization truly shows the asymmetrical nature of this investment and why I do not care. Like all the money I put into Bitcoin over the years. Alright. Um, well here's I got a I got a question for you. Uh is 
Bitcoin here to stay or is there still a possibility, even a possibility, that it gets taken over by something else? Like what? There's always a possibility. Another currency? Um, Ethereum would be a good example. There's always a possibility, but I think that's dumb for for the sake of what Bitcoin says. We're like, I mean, yeah, another currency could come in there, but not nah, an altcoin. I don't think. I consider Ethereum an altcoin in like the most general of a sense. It's just it's a different project. It does different things, but it it has the potential to overtake Bitcoin in the use cases of everything because it, it does everything Bitcoin can do. It just doesn't have a network or, or security based on that network that Bitcoin has. So it doesn't have a limit. And, and I'm having, I'm having a bit of trouble with Bitcoin's inability to move in terms of technology. It's inability Bitcoin to doesn't innovate. have scarcity. Yes, it does. Ethereum can overtake the market cap, but how many Ethereum ever exist? There's more, and there's an inflation rate is you know, goes to very minuscule over time, based on something that for the Helic has you know kind of put to put to rest recently. I don't know the total current supply, but the inflation rate isn't as isn't as obvious as what Bitcoin's is, but it's still knowable and and a bit different. They just have a larger supply. I thought Ethereum was unlimited. No. Practically, no. Sure. It's practically not unlimited, no. Hmm. But so what, what, is, what does a place like Colombia do when they declare something illegal? Do they, do, do they seize your Bitcoins? Are you allowed to, to change it out? Let's see. Um... Places like Columbia, it's a, it's I almost the article. The article that was on that was on our Bitcoin currently says that the superintendency of companies. Or this is from a comment of all you got to do that explains because the, the article that they put on our slash Bitcoin is written in, in Spanish. Ah, okay. And his comment says so. I'm basing what it says based on his comment. Uh, the superintendency of companies, a regulatory body, announced that virtual currencies such as the world-renowned Bitcoin are prohibited in Colombia and said that the only valid currency for transactions in the country is weight. I don't know what that means. Maybe a third. Oh, that, so that means they want something tangible. You can't use digital currency. Uh, okay. In addition, the official said that the only entity that can issue money in Colombia is the Banco de la Republica. Uh, the central issuer of money, and that he repeatedly said the only valid money in the national territory is the one they issue. What's funny is in the end of the article, uh, it states that one Bitcoin is worth $900 and is expected to reach 1200 next year. Good luck, Columbia. <laughs> yeah. There, there. Here's the thing the about Columbia. Blocked. Narcos. Okay, that's Columbia. So, <laughs> I mean... If you guys haven't seen Narcos, I would recommend watching it. But basically, what's his name was from there? What's that guy's name? Pa Pablo Escobar. Yeah. And he was damn near 
Doesn't he damn near the president of the country or something crazy like that? No, he ran. And he ran lost. for it. Yeah. He ran for president and lost, right? But everyone knew he was a massive drug dealer and murderer and, mo- and, and organized But he just gave a bunch of money to the people leader. and built a bunch of stuff so that they, they, he was, the people liked him, regardless of what he did. No. So we're talking about decisions that affect the world stage. We can go ahead and leave Colombia out of that conversation until they get a lot of things figured out. <laughs> Well, let's just say you approach Pablo Escobar with the concept of Bitcoin. Do you think he would have been receptive towards it? I think he would shoot you in the face with a gun. If I went to a person that con- that smoked cocaine and controlled 80% of the drug cartel and I told him about an anonymous decentralized currency, you don't think he would have been receptive towards it? Maybe receptive until his first transaction took three the first transaction that took three days to get confirmed he shoots you in the face <laughs> <laughs> then, then he wouldn't be receptive anymore dude how good is your pitching scheme like that well you know uh uh you, you have those uh expendable cast members that come in like hey pablo escobar they're coming and then they get shot in the head one of those guys like pablo you're doing this all wrong use bitcoin <laughs> when i said wait all t- currency transaction is weight. It's the Google Translate for peso. So there you go. <laughs> I'm retarded. They weigh their pesos. Oh, uh, well, the next comment says, "I hear cocaine is also illegal in Colombia." Good track record there. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. People, I mean, governments are still scared about it. They don't understand it. So the first thing they do is say, well, don't use it. We don't feel like trying to track it. And it's easier to say it's illegal than for us to try and track it until we figure it out. My my sister-in-law, whom I can't, she bought some Bitcoin. Not Janice, but my sister-in-law. She bought some after four years of me talking about it. But she's really super smart. Super, super smart. And she can't get over the fact that a government... That it, she keeps thinking that a government could just come and put down blanket regulation and boom, that's the end of Bitcoin. But they can't. And it's reaching a point to where it doesn't even matter if they do or not because it's decentralized and has so much value. And if there's that many different groups of people using it to commit to earnest commerce, then what the fuck is the government going to do about it? Oh, you can't use it. Like, screw you, man. I'm using it just fine. All right. And that's okay. Sure. But in terms of businesses who accept it, merchant services, a lot of like, where, like if you take all the use cases and where you can spend your Bitcoin out of just other than just giving somebody some money because you're trying to, you know, split a check, you take a lot of use case out of your country. And there's no reason for you to use Bitcoin if you can't do anything with it. So regulation can really screw you. Yeah, okay, technically speaking, if you have regulation, Bitcoin doesn't die. But it takes a lot of people out of the ecosystem. And they lose interest. And that's that's crippling, regardless of the ideology associated with Bitcoin and that we don't need you to operate. Who gives a shit? If, you're not, if you can't do your everyday life, then no one's going to use it. We said this over and over again. It's 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 mass adoption requires people not caring about the ideology that Bitcoin tries to push. It's just allowing them to do what they want to do 
in an easier and more affordable way. I, I mean, when it reaches that big point, like if it reaches the $100 billion market cap, somewhere there, $200 billion market cap, at that point, there's people with deep enough pockets all over the world where it ain't getting them. It's not getting any negative regulation. Trust me. There's too many rich people with skin in the game at that point. So you're saying we need lobbyists. Well, I guess so, yeah. Probably. Probably. (laughs) Need Bitcoin lobbyists for regulation. Maybe that's what I'm fucking lobbyist, bro. I love hanging out in lobbies. You can people watch all day. Maybe that's what I'm doing with this job. What else is in lobbies? Who's the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs? That you can call those in a lobby. (laughs) No way. You talk about a I'm talking about lobbies in Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas, a whole bunch of other lobbies in seven other US cities. Marble lobbies, that's how you know the lobby's good. That's true. When when you're wearing heels and you're just click click clacking clack, away. Click click clack. Click. Yeah. That's how you know it's a good lobby. Yeah. And then uh maybe there's a marble floor in the bathroom that you can go into and you can uh, you can download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play uh for specific locations and more information. Visit Athenabitcoin.com. They're always adding new locations. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, BitQuick.co, which is the secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. Uh, plenty of time to circle that lobby. BitQuick has been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. As uh, as of this episode, that's four years. So where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. Nice. You know, the Wi-Fi is good in that lobby. I hope so, or else you can't download that that app. Yeah, I think I'd just be a good Bitcoin lobbyist because uh, because I think so in my head. I don't think any of my <laughs> resume supports that statement <laughs> or my background whatsoever. We'll see but, after maybe like thirty episodes of on ramping with D, then uh, you'll be better at you'll be better at selling people. Yeah, I need some more. I'm not talking to my sister. That was way too comfortable of a conversation. I want someone who's super resistant. The more resistant, the more... Yeah, I want somebody that's just going to just throw arguments at you over and over and over again. Yeah. Whether they're good or that's bad. I want good arguments would be better, but bad arguments are even are okay because you, you know you can answer those. <laughs> Don't get someone like Andy to, who's just going to make it a joke and not listen. I'm trying to get as many people as I can. On-ramping assholes would be... <laughs> <laughs> get the most difficult people to try to convert them <laughs> what makes it different from, from, from PayPal what makes it different from PayPal the fuck I get off it's, a, it's a good question can you answer it <laughs> what makes it different from PayPal it's not centralized okay what do they care <laughs> if they don't care at that point then there's nothing like I answered their question correctly it's cheaper. It's not like you can say, you know, like, there's your answer. It's, water it's cheaper. They don't take 3% of whatever the hell you're trying to fucking do on PayPal. Yeah. They can't stop you from doing anything if you go through Bitcoin. They can't reverse your funds. They can't tell you, you can't spend your money there. But these are what people not care, care about. about they don't either. give a shit about it. Yes, they will. If you say, you, you know, you want to go buy something from somebody and PayPal says no. 
they can take your money back. That pisses people yeah, off. But then their immediate question is going to be, why would they say no? I'm not buying heroin or anything. And then All I right. would say, yeah, you are. You fucking liar. Then go for the fees. Everybody likes money. They want more of it. If the world worked off PayPal and PayPal took 3% of every everything you did, you'd be pretty pissed off about that. The world can't work off of PayPal. It's just a convenience. The world can work off of Bitcoin and everything can be built on top of it, which means that the fees associated with Bitcoin have to be small, and they are. That's a good way of putting it. I should have a um, lifeline on my show where I call you. <laughs> I got I, I to use a lifeline. Hold on. Yeah, I'm going to send you a burner phone. All right. And when, <laughs> when that rings, you have an obligation. Just be like, hey, there's no one created the PayPal podcast, you bitch. Yeah, for I bet there is a PayPal podcast. I'm looking that up. <laughs> no, Corey, I want to send you a pager. Let's kick it old school. All right. I'm send you a pager no, and some jeans you can wear backwards. PayPal's podcast <laughs> about the financial and technology industry by PayPal. They're not talking about. There is a PayPal podcast, and there are five episodes. Oh. And that's all you need. It was released in 2016. It's like that. It's like that Mitch Hedberg joke about the above ground pools where the commercial is only 30 seconds because that's all you need to pick fun in an above ground pool. (laughs) I guess all you need is just five episodes. (laughs) We finished. (laughs) I actually get that question a lot from people. They're like, how can you have a weekly show about Bitcoin? You'd be surprised. It's just not that interesting. And I'm like, my immediate response to that is the fact that I can have a weekly show about Bitcoin means it is that interesting and you should pay attention to it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a good point, but I'm still not going to do it because <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Let's move into the interview. So, what's up, Jello? Want to throw it to Dimitri? Yeah. I thought you said my name. That's oh, I can't. Well, I think lazy people, that's how they say your name. That's how my mom says your name. After 25 years, you're still Dimitri. Everyone thinks I'm a Dimitri or a Dimitri, yes. But that's not the case. But as a dumb American, I'd say Buterin, but it's Bucharin. Yeah, I asked him. It's Bucharin. You've been saying it wrong, Pabs. Stop yeah. fucking it up. Yep. It's Bucharin. wrong for a long time. That's and that's that's, that's we're still butchering it because it's Russian and I can't speak. I don't have the infl- voice inflection of them. So Bucharin, it's say it right, Pabs. Or call him Dimitri Ray Cyrus. <laughs> You've been waiting for that for so long. Dimitri Ray Cyrus. Okay. Dimitri you, you, Ray uh, you need to explain your joke so it's funny. I don't want to. I don't want to offend him. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Let me just get. Let me just get into it uh, because. Uh, He's a smart guy, too. Um, he introduced... Uh, I, all right, let me put it this way. Ethereum wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Dimitri because he introduced his son to cryptocurrency. So, you know, we're, that's not what this is about. You know, when we brought him on the show, we saw a guy who just likes to uh, answer support calls as it gives him a firsthand understanding of people's needs. Uh, he's a really generous guy, you know, and, and he feeds back to the design and development teams because he's an advisor. And he uses his role as a product manager. So he's a smart guy. The fact that um, he brings business to the industry is really important. And I think that's a big piece, a missing piece that we're going to find entering into 
this atmosphere over the next year is is people who know how to run a business because most of the businesses in the space don't. Yeah. You're, you're not going to turn down a conversation with a founder of three multi-million dollar businesses. Why would you do that? Also, Arcade City. Also, Arcade City. There you go. So he's an angel investor and a mentor. And, you know, you're going to get an update on Arcade City and all the, you know, all the things in between. So let's get into it. Here it is. So, Dimitri, Dimitri Buterin, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. Appreciate you, appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us. Uh, you, for those that don't know who you are and what you do, do you want to give us like a little introduction about kind of where you came from and how you got started into Bitcoin and blockchain, Ethereum? Sure. Yes, I... Uh... Grew up in the, the Soviet Union, uh, studied computer science, and then uh, worked in a couple of big companies. And then 20 years ago, uh, became an accidental uh, entrepreneur in the software. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Uh, 17 years ago, I moved to Canada and um, had a number of companies. In the last 10 years, I've been doing a, uh, I've been running a software company called Wild Apricot. And it's not connected to blockchain. And I always had a lot of interest in uh, computer security, cryptography, things like that. And uh, many years ago, I uh, came across uh, Bitcoin, had a lot of, uh, was very curious about it. And uh, actually, uh, so my son Vitalik, who created Ethereum, I mentioned Bitcoin to him and he got really interested in that concept and ended up eventually creating Ethereum. And uh, until recently, I could not do that much in the blockchain space because of my uh, main software business, but that business uh, is getting more mature. So I'm uh, able to finally spend more and more of my time, attention, and money in the blockchain space. And uh, so this year I've been uh, doing some uh, angel investments on in the blockchain space, uh, uh, advising some companies, doing some mentoring, stuff like that, and uh, starting this uh, project called uh, bloggeeks.com basically trying to make blockchain more accessible to more people in the world outside of this uh, pretty narrow circle of people who are still kind of the core group of in that. So that's me in a nutshell. Right on. We've actually had quite a few uh, venture capitalists on the show. I'd imagine the majority of your aim or your, I guess, what you look into is, is focused on Ethereum just because Vitalik and, and your, your involvement. Like, is that, is that true? Or do you kind of branch out with other, other blockchains? Yeah, I would not say that I limit my interest to only Ethereum, but obviously I am a huge believer in Ethereum. I still remember that time when Vitalik showed me his white paper. Uh, I think it was like November, 2013. And I was really excited to, to read it made a lot of sense to me. And I'm a huge believer in the Ethereum platform as a foundation for many cool things. You know, I went to September, in September, I went to Shanghai for Ethereum DEFCON and was really impressed with uh, their ecosystem that Ethereum has created. But yeah, I mean, there are other players, obviously, in the space and I'm uh, looking at some other uh, companies as well because uh, I'm very passionate about uh, a number of things. And one of them is helping create more businesses and then about the concept of uh, decentralization, right? Whether it, as it applies to Bitcoin as currency, to Ethereum as a platform for building decentralized apps or any other blockchain-related technologies. Where did like where do you 
like as a as a venture capitalist, like I, I I kind of see like I'm not a venture capitalist, but I kind of saw 2016 as the year of proof of the the, the proof of concept and in infrastructure building. Like yeah. where do you, where do you see it coming from? Like maybe is that also how you see 2016, and where do you see it going in 2017? Right, right, yeah. And by the way, I would not call my I'm not a venture capitalist. I'm more of an angel investor. So uh, okay, that's a difference. Yeah, true. Uh, I don't. Um, yeah, I would agree with you for sure. You know, when I went to this conference and I went to some other conferences this year, that's uh, that's how I see the space. There's still a lot of infrastructure being built, and it's being built at uh, great speed. You know, a lot of really exciting stuff happening, like uh, IPFS and so many other things. Uh, still has to happen because right now, if you want to create a startup in the blockchain space, there is still a lot of uh, low-level stuff you have to code. So that's if you want to create a startup, you have to kind of do full stack a lot of stuff yourself, and that makes it much harder. And yeah, people doing proof of concepts, but very few people are close to doing any monetization or even having or any decent business model. And I think that. Uh, we're going to see huge uh, change in formation of the space in the next uh, one to two years. I had a question on, uh, you said you're also an advisor as well. Could I yeah. could I get your take on, on business development? What do you think a product needs more of? Creating a vision and getting people excited or solving problems and getting things done? Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, this concept of our uh, Customer development. I think it was uh, what's his name, Steve Blank, who uh, used the term. It's uh, understanding what what is their specific problem that uh, specific uh, target population has, and then really going after that problem. So spending a lot of time trying to understand your potential customers, and then trying to solve that problem. Because a lot of startups I see in the space. They're approaching things from a very high-level abstract perspective. It's like, okay, let's build a reputation system. Okay, so who needs a reputation system? Well, everybody. So this <laughs> and that. Okay, so, but who specifically needs that? Well, okay, let's take these guys. And how exactly do they need it? Oh, okay, so if, they, if you take those guys and then this context, it's, it's a, they have a very complex answer. And, uh, and I usually, my experience in business is that if you have a very complex business model, if you're trying to if you think yeah, that you're trying to solve a very convoluted business problem, then it's a rarely is a viable business model. So how can you figure out a specific, simple business problem, specific problem that some specific people have and just focus on them and help them solve that? You know, one mistake that I've made a number of times as an entrepreneur is uh, trying to go too broad. You know, it's like, okay, so who do you want to help? Everyone, because that's a bigger market than your opportunities are bigger, but you know, that's what I've learned over time is that actually you don't want to do that. You want to start with as narrow, as specific market as possible, but really understand them, really understand their problem, solve that problem, and then from that you can expand to other markets and so on. But starting with a bigger, more generic problem is makes it really hard for the business to succeed. Yeah, makes sense. So you feel like a lot of people are almost creating solutions and looking for problems. Oh, big time, big time. I mean, most of the people I think in the space, that's what they're doing right now. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, that's uh, still very early, but I think that's going to change. 
I feel like yeah. a lot of the, the like kind of along with the proof of concept year, it's, it's been like this, this year of platforms. And that's kind of the way a lot of software yeah. development is moving is like, let's create a platform that everyone can build on and everyone's trying yeah. to do that. And no one's really solving the simple problems that are almost low hanging fruit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, even if you look at the basics, right. If you look at, uh, uh, cryptocurrency wallets. They've been around for a long time. Uh, there are quite a few of them, and most of them, they kind of suck, right? And only now they're starting to provide you with some useful functionality and really map to what you want to do in the real world. Like, okay, you want to exchange between different cryptocurrencies, right? So there are some ones like JAX and integrated with ShapeShift, and okay, and then it becomes really easy. And then you want to do some other stuff. If you have some uh, cold uh, storage, you how do you keep the, how do you, keep track of your balances and your cold storage, stuff like that. Like the basic things, like thinking through those very specific use, use cases, right? So yeah, yeah. going after the basics. Um, this, this segues nicely into something that I kind of wanted to talk about. I've been, we've been following Arcade City for a while, ever since well, well before the inception. And you're an advisor for, or you were an advisor for whatever they are now. I am, yeah. How, how... What's going on with Arcade City? I've been seeing that they're, you know, they've they've dissolved. I know Christopher David has been pushed out. That's the way it seems. Yeah. What 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 is what is the current status of Arcade City? Yes. So I don't have a lot of background into that. Uh, the way I got involved is through Burned Lab, who was advisor to Ethereum, and then I met him in person in Shanghai, and uh, I think highly of him. And then he asked me to participate uh, to become an advisor to Arcade City. And I, I've got very little background on that. And actually, when I announced that I'm getting involved, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, this guy, Christopher David, you know, they're all those red flags. And uh, uh, when I looked into that, uh, they recently did the crowd sale, right? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, which was reasonably successful, not like hugely successful, but it uh, raised a decent chunk of money. Uh, but... Uh, Obviously, that project has a lot of history. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of promises were made by their original creator of that uh, to number of people or number of investors, number of different uh, interest groups, people who are running those uh, uh, communities. So when that uh, crowd sale happened, basically what happened is that they created their new uh, governing body was created called uh, council so there are seven people in that council i'm not one of them so i'm just an advisor mm -hmm. uh so burnt lab and then uh, uh the people are developers and then community organizers and they have the full control of their uh wallet uh which was used for crowdfunding uh, that campaign and christopher david is not involved in running that so after they raised the money then uh, the next question was that, okay, now how that money is going to be allocated to uh, project, uh, to all the different things that have to happen for the project to move forward. And uh, when uh, they started doing that, then obviously all the different interest groups, communities, original investors uh, uh, raised a number of questions. And uh, so the council decided so the current thinking that then Christopher David just posted about this and then um, and, and some groups so that's uh, now public knowledge uh, so he uh, so he and the council they have different visions uh, for how to go forward and basically the council uh, 
they're trying to find a way to use the funds to actually build the app that will deliver the benefit, but also find ways to meet the commitments of uh, that were made originally. And that's still kind of up in the air, how that's been to be resolved. Uh, most probably, there will be a new name for this. And uh, their original name, Arcade City Inc., you know, that belongs to Chris David, and he's still uh, doing some stuff with that. But uh, that council and the money raised uh, in their crowdfunding campaign, uh, that's going forward and separately from that. So that's, I think that right now there's uh, under, undergoing separation of those things. Yeah, so again, so like, you know, I'm a little bit on the sideline of that and kind of watching a lot of discussions, conversations. I'd, but, I'd uh, call that a yeah. smart move, <laughs> personally. Yeah. So, I mean, what what's happening, you know, and Burns has explained to me in detail, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So I think that, again, for me, it's like, how can we balance, uh, obviously, first of all, how can we balance the interest of all the different parties and how can we also focus on delivering the app? Because, yeah. uh, you know, when it's I look at a lot of crowd sales, a lot of them, I look at them, I don't really understand what are they trying to do. For this thing, I understand what they're trying to do. It's uh, they build this app. It, it, a lot of development work has to happen. Um, there's a good development team in uh, uh, Belgium. So, yeah, it's moving forward. Well, in, a, in addition to understanding what a business is trying to do, what other factors go into your mindset prior to making any investment decisions toward a blockchain startup? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, obviously the team, right? The people, uh, can you right. trust the people? And uh, what's the experience? What's, what's the level of their commitment? Because again, my experience, uh, uh, successful business, uh, it's never, the original idea never survived. So do you have the people who can persist and, you know, start starting from the original idea, but then are they able to continue the journey and, uh, make those hard decisions when you have to, you know, uh, pivot and go in a slightly different direction and go through some hardship. So yeah, looking at the team and, uh, so the number of, uh, angel investments I made this year, I just made some of them based on, uh, recommendations from, uh, Vitalik because I trust his judgment in people. He knows many people in the community and, you know, people, uh, that's a critical factor. It's even more important than the original business idea. Yeah. Because if you have good business people, I, I trust that they will be able to navigate the waters and figure out uh, their execution of the business idea. Uh, yeah. Well said. Well said. It's a, it's, a, it's a definitely a, just in the the plethora of new startups, especially the initial coin offerings and all the kind of crazy ideas that are being thrown around right now. I think investing yeah. in the people that are able to work through these ideas and continue to grow mm -hmm. and scale. It's probably your best bet. Yes. You know, again, when I was in Shanghai, there were a lot of uh, startups presenting their ideas. One of the days was a dedicated uh, demo day. Uh, and I think there were like 40 companies yeah. presenting, if not more. And my overall impression was that there were a lot of really smart, uh, very bright, uh, well-meaning people trying to solve very complex technological problems. And uh, it seemed to me that many of them I thinking in a way that, oh, once we solve this complex technological problem, then all this business stuff, that will be easy. And my experience is, <laughs> you know, I'm a computer scientist major myself, you know, over the years I've learned that, yeah, you know what, those soft things, you know, actually understanding your customer, actually acquiring customers and supporting your customers, they are way more important or at least as important as uh, solving that, that complex technological uh, problem. 
And I think that there's not enough of that thinking yet in the blockchain space. And uh, uh, I hope to see many more startups uh, in the next year, two years being created that have that kind of business, more of a business focus, focused on real customers, real problems. And, uh, and so it's on. The, the fundamentals of business. We've talked about that yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. It's like we have a lot of, like you said, very technologically talented people and yeah. they understand the the real nitty gritty details of the technology very well, but they're completely ignorant to just basic business practices. And mm-hmm. in order to run a startup and you need a lot of these simple things in order to just, even just to convince people to invest in you, or if you want to scale and be sold, you need to have these types of metrics to show that you're a profitable company. Otherwise no one's ever going to buy your product. Yeah. And I mean, for startup, startup would not be a profitable company, right? But you know, can you show the trajectory to kind of yeah. get in there at yeah. some foreseeable future, right? And then kind of you start with some uh, leading indicators, like are you getting some traction? And, you know, obviously for some companies, uh, they are able to get funding even at the idea stage. If you, they have an awesome idea and they have a great team, then they can get funding there. It's really hard, you know, uh, especially if it's your first business, right? So you don't have the name recognition, but then, okay, can you show some traction? Um, yeah, and some companies in the space, uh, you know, I, I really like Open Bazaar. I think that uh, uh, I, I see a lot of potential in them. Oh, yeah. Impressed with what they have done. And, you know, I, I like their uh, plans going forward. But What about Hyperledger? Any uh, skepticism there? Yes, a lot of skepticism uh, on my side. You know, it's... Uh, Conceptually, can it make sense? But it's a consortium project. I'm always very skeptical of those uh, projects when there is uh, no clear leadership, right? And I think that uh, when I look at their history of Ethereum, and uh, and I was not really that involved with Ethereum or not involved at all, but I was on the sidelines watching that. And uh, Vitalik did not want to be that. CEO kind of leader of that thing, but the number of quite a few times he was forced to, to do that because again, like you have all those great smart people at some point, how do you make a decision? And uh, because people trusted him, then they asked him to make a decision and he had to make some uh, tough decisions, right? So kind of going back to Hyperledger, yes, like every other business, they will have to make some tough decisions and in their current configuration, I'm not clear, kind of, what's the leadership? How will they make those decisions? Kind of, what's going on? So, like, right now, looks like an interesting concept, but uh, uh, I'm more skeptical of that. Yeah, I, I share your skepticism, and I, I read on your Block Geeks website there was a uh, there was an IT consultant who said that he knows for a fact that the big five Canadian banks are going to be adopting it. But like you said, there's no clear leadership. I don't. I share your skepticism. I don't know how that's going to work. Right. Yeah. And if you look at any big company, they always hedge in their bets, right? So typically they have a bunch of technical people and a bunch of them are doing proof of concept with Hyperledger. Some of them, you know, doing uh, some stuff with Ethereum. They're doing some other stuff and like, and maybe something comes out of it. Maybe not, you know. Uh, I don't think that uh, at least for the next few years, uh, I don't think that we'll see that much traction with blockchain with huge companies. And I think we we can create some new businesses based on this uh, new technologies uh, 
At least I'm more excited about the potential of that. Yeah, right on. It's going to be a really interesting this coming up year. Let's let's uh, let's talk about a little bit about BlockEaks and why you decided to create yeah. that and like how it works and what it yes. is. Yes, for sure. Um, the idea is pretty simple. Is like uh, with my uh, friend and business partner Amir, we've been talking about the blockchain space for a long time. And when we looked around, when we looked at all the uh, popular discussion forums, and obviously Reddit is one place, and uh, a few other like Bitcoin talk forums, I think another popular site. <coughs> a lot of discussions there are very technical and not very friendly. And uh, what we wanted to do, we wanted to uh, attract more people to the space and make the space more accessible to them. To give you one example, I'm a member of this organization called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a, it's a worldwide organization of uh, people uh, who have a business of uh, at least a million dollars a year or more, so 12,000 members worldwide. And I'm always being asked by them, okay, what the hell is Bitcoin? What is blockchain? How exactly does that work? And then I explain it to them. So for most normal people and people who have uh, experience starting building companies, even in, for even software companies, uh, they have no idea. I mean, they still struggling to understand the concept. And when they're trying to go on Reddit or this form, it's extremely hard for them to get good answers for the questions that they have. So we looked around, we said, you know what, we think we can do a better job. So that's kind of the business uh, the concept behind this is let's make the blockchain space uh, more accessible to more normal people, uh, people uh, uh, like uh, other entrepreneurs, software entrepreneurs who are not blockchain mm-hmm. experts, uh, software engineers who are interested in the space. Uh, for example, one thing that we do a little bit of experimentation and we're going to do a lot more is uh, online training because there are a uh, number of offerings for if you the software engineer and you want to get into blockchain space, you know, a lot of free stuff you can find, but it's not of great quality. And there are a few paid co- uh, courses like by Digitomics um, <clears throat> by B9 Labs, but again, by Udemy, there are some offerings, but still not a lot. And uh, so we're trying to become that central source for people who are not currently part of their current blockchain community, make it more accessible, engage them in dialogue, and then Provide them with, uh, we're building some of our own content, so we create a number of what we call guides when we're trying to explain again to normal people what's blockchain, what's Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, all those different things. Um, and, uh, done a number of, uh, AMAs interviews with a lot of interesting people in the space on that <coughs> recently added the job board because again, we've seen a lot of, uh, uh, supply and demand mismatch. I think that, uh, um, it, it's really hard right now to for people, uh, even for startups. So there are a lot of interest from big corporations who are looking for resources to find those resources. Uh, and online training and courses, uh, we mm-hmm. collaborate with a number of providers. So those are the pieces. And it's uh, it's very new. We started in in, in August this year, and uh, learned a lot. Uh, it's doing reasonably well. We currently tracking about uh, fifty thousand uh, visitors per month. Um, and, uh, I'm sure like any other startup, we will, uh, change the course, change direction quite a bit over the next year, but we can already see that it's getting some traction and it's very exciting to see the dialogue. And also we started to see what are their things that are missing in the space and that we can help people to, to get. Right on. That's actually kind of interesting. You brought up, um, 
like how you talk to a lot of people outside of the Bitcoin community, but are also like quite savvy in technology and business. Yeah. And you yeah. have to try and explain Bitcoin to them or, or blockchain. Do you, do you find it like, are people asking about Bitcoin, but need something along the lines of Ethereum? Like, how do you go about like, do you feel you need to explain Bitcoin to them first and for them to understand any other type of blockchain or, like, how, yeah, that's mo that's usually the case because I think that uh, again, like Bitcoin has, uh, it's more recognized. So most people know and understand that, and most people are totally confused by the difference between Bitcoin versus blockchain, right? Yeah. So I always like explain to them, okay, this is what Bitcoin is about. And once I I'm able to help them get that basic basic understanding, then okay, from that it's much easier to go, okay, and this is what Ethereum is about, and. This is a blockchain as kind of underlying technology behind the Bitcoin, and that's kind of what how it's being applied now to so many other uh, digital assets and concepts outside of just uh, cash currency space. Yeah, that's been my experience so far too. Is, is I mean, there's still quite mm -hmm. a few people in the space that don't even understand the fundamental differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum. They see that it's just like Ethereum's an altcoin yeah. when it's just right, fundamentally exactly. different. And getting those types of understandings like at a base level is kind of hard to do, especially for someone who's not even in the space. So it's, mm -hmm. I find extremely hard. Yeah. I find that to be somewhat of our a, a, a very large barrier to adoption. And I almost feel like the main point or like the main way adoption is going to happen is through people using these technologies without knowing it. Right. And, yeah. Because end of the day, if I'm the end user, do I really care about kind of the technical inside of this thing? If you can show me their mass scale applications of that. If it works and it works well, who cares how it works? Yeah. But for people like us, we, we definitely care. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, that's a, yeah. uh, that's great. I like, I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of wrap it up. We have one more question that we ask all of our guests and that's, uh, sure. in 10 words or less, can you explain blockchain? Oh, <laughs> 10 words or less. It's a way to ensure to achieve trust in uh, transactions between people, which is not relying on the central authority. I think if we take off like the very first part of that, I think we got ten words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, What's up, that? Yeah. All right, Dimitri. Appreciate that. Yeah. Good talking to you guys. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to say you're, you're probably going to be our first guest of 2017 when this airs, and uh, we couldn't have a better person for it. So thank you so much. Awesome. Good talking to you. So have uh, amazing uh, holidays. So let's celebrate the New Year's. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about the next year on many levels. And uh, for the blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, like uh, Vitalik is turned at home and, uh, you know, his team, uh, their team is working hard on a lot of really complex issues. So I'm really excited about the stuff that's uh, – in store for Ethereum from, you know, scalability and proof of stake and many other things they're working on. And yeah, lots of more, lots more really hard technical issues to resolve, but uh, uh, I'm really impressed with the Ethereum community. So I have uh, full trust in the ability to execute on that. And then, you know, as the platform is being built, then let's help create more startups doing some exciting stuff on top of that. Right. All right. Yeah.
Yeah. I like to, I also like to think that, you know, Block Geeks was created the same way this podcast was created, you know, to kind of just help the community, aid the community, bring people together. So, you know, good luck to both of us fighting that good fight. Right on, guys. Take care. Holidays. Hey guys, did you know that VPN services encrypt your connection and provides you with an anonymous IP to protect your privacy? I'm talking about the great folks at Private Internet Access. They're going to provide you with a VPN tunnel service so you can start browsing securely and anonymously with OpenVPN and PIA. I said this last time, that's a lot of acronyms, but basically it just means that it's a strong and secure it's the best. In fact, uh, I just signed up for it last week, so me and Corey were users. D, are you using this? Are you using the service? I'm not using it yet because I'm paranoid I'm going to get on the list. Uh, nope. That's don't not be how paranoid. it works. Yeah, <laughs> because we want other people to use this. That's, good. That's a good answer. Yeah, don't be paranoid. You'll be fine. It's, it's, you're not on a list if your IP goes to a server. Okay. Essentially, all it looks like is your ISP says you do a lot of internet traffic with this server. And that's it. As opposed to yeah. you go to this website, you go to this website, you go to this website, you go to this website. It's just, oh, you go to that server all the time. Okay. But then they put you on a list of people that go to servers all the time. Okay, cool. What is that going to do? They're going to figure out what server it is and they're going to serve you. Well, PIA has something like 3,000 servers across the world. Yo, and it's, oh, okay. only, it's only $3 a month. And, and there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, D. Seven-day, well, you don't have to pay, but other people do. And it's a seven-day money-back guarantee. Nice. I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'm just being paranoid. Well, if you're paranoid, you should be using VPN services. That's essentially what it comes down to. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> if, if you are if you are a paranoid person you should be using vpn services bar none and, it's the witness protection for internet browsing yeah and uh <laughs> they make it really easy to download just to get going without having like without having to be technical or care you just download the client it's there's a big green little robot that says you're ready to go and you're ready to go cool i'm gonna give all it right. a shot all right go to private internet Sign up. Go to our affiliate link. We want your money. <laughs> Simple. Your money. Should be in the title description of this show. Go to that. Click on it. Sign up. It's cheap. It's fast. Yep. So, and we're back. Um, great interview with one Dimitri Bucharin. 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 Um. He is Vitalik Bucharin's father. Um, he's very not like Darth Vader. He's more like good Anakin. He's younger than I thought he was going to be. Quite he's jovial. really young. Quite jovial and when young. I, yeah, like when I, when I picture a Vitalik's dad, I picture someone who looks and probably acts like the architect from the second Matrix movie. <laughs> but just Russian. Yeah. And that's not what it is at all. Like, not even remotely close. So, yeah. yeah Shout I like out that. to Dimitri. I like uh, that interview. That's had some good insight to kind of, like, where the company's going. What makes a good company in, mm-hmm. in Ethereum space? Like, what, like it, the fact that you can have a good idea, but it doesn't really matter unless you have a team behind it that can build it and continue to build it. 
Yeah, I'd like yeah. to get. I would like to get Walter Vare on the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'd be an interesting just, one. We just have. A, I don't know if that's. I don't know even know if that's Roger Vare's dad's name, but I imagine it's a Walter. <laughs> we just have a series of interviews that's in, like that's interviewing you know large people dads in the space as dads. Yeah, yeah, what big is, point dads. I think that should be a new. I, I'd I'd be curious to see the statistics of like what percentage of. Um, dads of very prominent figures in the space are now also in Bitcoin or whatever their their child is in. Yeah, go to it, my new it, website bitdad.co. It's clear that, that it's it's clear that Vitalik's dad <laughs> was in in the technology space and building businesses based on technology for a long time, which is probably why Vitalik is the person he is because he grew up around that that environment and had kind of the, the tutelage of his dad. And it it's like, I don't, and then his dad saw the opportunity based on what he, what his son built and is now able to help people build what needs to be built in the space to make it, what it make it a, a successful venture. And would that be awesome if like his, like uh, his wife, like hated cryptocurrency but her whole family is like entrenched in it. <laughs> entrenched is a good, like they're not getting out of that. Like they're not walking yeah. away, but it's, yeah. it's like, can you stop talking about this shit? Yeah. <laughs> Who gives that's a fuck about right. Ethereum? Go clean up for dinner. I'm actually a little bit scared that that's going to be me. Like it's, 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 I've had to focus on like, okay, don't make this a Bitcoin conversation. Just chill, bro. Just chill. Like that, that I have to have that conversation with myself. A little too frequently now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what if Ice Cube's son like hated hip hop? Like, how do you get away from that? I've uh, away. I've uh, that's a I've, real scary thought. It's becoming difficult, even more difficult for me now because like also I'll meet someone and they'll say, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh shit." Well, <laughs> I I work with Bitcoin. You should just start <laughs> get, start make, getting majestic with that shit. I mean, I are you, are you ready I, to I, have I, your I mind blown? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, and they're just like that's still a thing. I thought that was gone like a, like a year ago. I was like, mm, not so much, bro. No, making mm-hmm. a living off of it. So. I just know that when I when Bitcoin does reach its potential, I will. I'm getting a boat. It's going to be called the USS Bitcoin, or the USS. I told you so. One of those two <laughs> names. <laughs> I would. I I like that. USS. I told you so. <laughs> One of those two names. Call I it always the Satoshi. Say what? Call it the Bodhi Satoshi. Bodhi Satoshi. It's yeah something that doesn't rub it in people's faces because nobody likes that kind Mictoshi of Mctoshi Satoshi face. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um. Well, I'm glad it was a good interview with Dimitri. And I'm glad we gave you guys another good one. And it's New Year's Day, and we're giving you another good one. It's been an amazing year. What What are some other things that we missed? Like, I feel like we didn't even talk about much that happened in the year. We like led off the episode with, let's let's take a look at what happened in the year, and then we just talked about things that happened like last week. It's kind of hard. There's so much that happened within <laughs> a year. Like, our, all of our lives changed. We all got yeah. jobs. I moved back mm-hmm. from Brazil. 
Well, we like, weren't poor and unemployed before. We just had career changes. Yeah. <laughs> you made it sound like we were recording a podcast. <laughs> we all got jobs. Yeah. We, we, were, we were putting this podcast to you. Some squalor. From Starbucks and Subways all across the world. Anyways. Yeah, we, we all had the career changes, so those are personal changes. But I, like, think about when you're older. Try, if you were to make a list of all of the things that happened at Bitcoin, even just all the things that we've talked about on the show in the past year, which isn't nearly all the things that happened in the space, mm-hmm. I don't I don't even want to read the list, much less talk about it. Like, there's so many things that happened. It's so broad and it's My so turn. deep. You rage quit. Was that last? Was it? Was that last year? That was this, that was like in March, right? Or May? Yeah. I'm looking that up. I feel like that yeah, was he like raged over a year ago. God, time by yeah, so fast space moves, man. We also inspired uh, uh podcast. Uh yep. Ken was just fixing iPhones by himself this time last year. Yep. Now Ken has got his own he's got a podcast, he's got video, he's got this other show he does where he Talks about our shows and other Bitcoin things while he's walking around and trying not to get hit by cars. Uh, in 2017, he's going to learn how to order pizza cheaply. Yep. About with that. <laughs> I feel like it was in January. Uh, January of 2016. What was? Mike Hearn? Yeah, the Mike Hearn was January. January. His post was January 14th. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was way off, but yeah, that was last year. Yeah, pretty eventful um, year, man. Andreas transcended into the heavens. Now we just get his physical body, um, and his physical body that just spews out ideas that he has straight tapped from the ether. He came on our show. That was a good, good highlight. Yeah. I'm ready to. The Dow happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like we have like Stephen Tool and like Chris David on our show, and like they're not relevant anymore. Isn't it yeah, funny? Stephen Tool's like... still in the space. He's relevant. He's just not as hyped up and, and, and right on the limelight as he was during during the Dow. He's still developing. He's still working. He's still doing things. He's just got a bad mark on his record. But at the time of him being on our show, it was for different reasons. Yeah, for real. I mean, and think about how important that was for the community to kind of like this this. Uh, yep. Not time to take the training wheels off yet, guys. We fell over, yeah. scrubbed our, our knee a little too hard. Mm-hmm. The episode is like it's a timestamp in cryptocurrency history. Yeah, we were we were fired up about the Dow too. I was super fired up. Shit, I was like, I was doing analytics. I was, I was, <laughs> I was doing all kinds of stuff for the Dow, coming up with voting mechanisms and all kinds of things. Yep, and I had just watched Terminator Genesis, so I was like, bring it on, man. I want these robot overlords. It's going to happen, so I might as well start now, and I might as well invest in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> why not? So, if the machines take over, and you have a good track record of investing in the machines, do you think they'd kill you, or are they like, thanks, man, I appreciate that? I think you at least get half of a second of a second guess. Like, they factor that in. You know what I mean, yeah. I feel like but I feel like they would like me. Blasted. I feel like I feel like they would like me. They'd be like, I'd be like the pet. I'd be like their dog. 
that's what your goal is yeah i mean if they're going to take over i might as well be like in a comfortable place i mean shit if i had to be reincarnated i'd like to be reincarnated as my grandmother's dog because that thing lives in a lap of luxury so if i could just be the machine equivalent of that i'll be set i want to be a tree bro boring i want to be a tree and i want to be just like those tree pods that they're selling to people and I want to end up being one of those giant ash trees like out in California that's just large and home to the apes whenever they take over. And just a big ass tree. It's like an oak tree? Well, yeah. I remember when I was boring. Oh. <laughs> oh, you want to be someone's lap dog, and that's not boring. That's that's cool, man. Think about all the cool shit that would happen if you were like a machine's lap dog. You want to be the dog that has the tongue perpetually hanging out the side of its face. Yeah, they're smart. No, dogs. He wants to be. He wants to be the Inspector Gadget villain's lap dog, where the big giant metal arm comes and pets pets you. That was a cat, man. Well, I know, but it's the same concept. <laughs> no, I don't want to be that. But what if he pets you too hard? And I want to be like your spine. I want to be like Lassie. Lassie. You have to live the rest of your life. I think, yeah, a broken cat, dog. <laughs> I think if I die, I want to come back as an escrow service. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if I had to pick one, it'd probably be escrowmybits.com, guys. Crazy, bro! You got crazy dreams. Well, I mean, think about it. It makes sense. It's fast. It's super easy. And it only takes three steps. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Just register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item. Buyer checks the goods and releases the funds. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So they're going to charge a small flat escrow fee of just 1% on all transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. We want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. So to start that escrow process, go to their website. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter and stay up to date where you can escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. And we're done. We're done. Let's call it out. The Church of Latter-day Escrow is what we should call that. (laughs) (laughs) Paid the bills, gave you the news. We're out of here. Yeah, man, it's been a good year. It's been a good year. We're going to have a great 2017. Yep. And I read a post somewhere that the 70s were a motherfucker when it comes to drugs. So if you guys aren't expecting more celebrities to die out of the blue, you're wrong. You yeah, this is, this is the beginning of the, of the, of the shitstorm that's going to be old people dying from drug-related issues. Bob Barker, Loretta Lynn. Yep. yep. Ronda Rousey. Burt Reynolds. T-Pain. So why are we calling out people's deaths? It's weird to do. I just realized that we're doing that. <laughs> Shout out to Bird Riddles. Hope you make it, bruh. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, yeah, man, thanks for the good year, listeners. Oh, Portia, thanks for joining the Slack. Right before, right before 2016, got yourself an accomplishment. 55 people on the Slack. Get your ass in there. That's right. And I realized that uh, we talk a lot now. In fact, one day we talked so much, I had to turn my phone on Do Not Disturb because I was doing the thing and like it was buzzing out of control. Yeah, so, I do that a lot. 
It's getting live in there, guys. It's a party every day. Anyways. Thunderdome. Shout out to Zoe Saldana. Uh, shout out to Carrie Holson and shout out to... Uh, uh, what's her name? Viola Davis. Shout Viola out to Davis. Davis. Shout, shout out to, out to Ronda Davis. Rousey. Shout out, shout out to Rousey. <laughs> Poor Rousey, dude. She looked confused when she lost, too. Like she was standing there like a like a like a just confused child. I just saw I just saw a meme of uh, the like the advertisement of like her face and it says she's back, and then right below it it's that South Park clip, and she's gone. And she's gone. And she's gone. I don't understand what it's her sad strategy story. was in that it's fight a sad story. to get her ass whooped. She got that Tekken 10-hit Yoshimitsu combo. That's what she got. Nunez yep. got, got Thunder Arms. Can't Ooh, just, you can't just zombie walk into those arms. Call it a day. Blah, 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 blah. All right, man. You can see the ripples in her here. face from Kitek. Anyways, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. For a great year. Play the outro. Peace.